when my little recording device died on me. I thought that was probably a sign. Maybe there was no need for tales for troubled times. Maybe the troubled times were passing. Well, it's maybe a bit early yet to say that. But I decided that that was probably enough of that. Then my daughter, Josie, had other ideas. And through the post came a new recording device. And a little message saying, carry on. So... Here I am, and I asked Josie if there was any story that she would like me to record for her, uh, and she said, well, the one that she really loved is a story that I really love as well. It's not a folk tale, but it's a story by Oscar Wilde that he wrote for his two sons, and it's called The Nightingale and the Rose. Now... I can't compete with Oscar Wilde. I'm only a farm boy with no education. So I have learned the story, and I've adapted it, I suppose. To be honest, I have no idea how it's going to come out, so it'll be news to me as well as you. But anyway, enough of this. The Nightingale and the Rose she said she'd dance with me. She said she would dance with me if I could give her a red rose. But there's no red roses in all my garden. Not one. The student was lying on the grass. And he was bewailing his fate. Oh, he was in love. But the object of his desire didn't seem to share the same passions that he did. Oh, he said, if only I could get a red rose, how it should come down to this that such a small, insignificant thing could have such a huge bearing on life. I've read all the wise men, the secrets of philosophy is mine. And yet, for the want of a red rose, I am left wretched and miserable. What's this? said a little voice up in the oak tree. And a little nightingale came out and looked down through the leaves towards the student. Why? she said to herself. This must be a true lover. She listened again. The prince is giving a ball tomorrow, said the student, and my love will be there, and oh, she will wear some fine gown, and she will dance so lightly it will be like a feather tripping across the dance floor, and all the courtiers will gather around her and admire her beauty, and she will dance with them, but she will not dance with me, because I do not have a red rose to give her. She will walk right by me and never look at me, never turn in my direction, and my heart will break, he said, and then he burst into 
tears. Oh, the hot tears rained down on the grass. And the little nightingale said to herself, Indeed, he is a true lover. He feels all the passion that I sing about. I sing about love. All night long I sing to the stars of love, and yet I have never seen the man who feels such depth of love as this one here. Oh, yes, he is a true lover indeed. Well, the student cried more and more, louder and louder. And a little green lizard that was passing on the lawn looked at him and said, What's he crying for? What indeed, said the butterfly that was floating overhead. What indeed, said the little daisy down among the grass. He is crying because he must have a red rose, and he does not have one, said the nightingale to them. What? What an idiot, they said. Oh, fancy crying over a rose. And the little lizard, who was a bit of a cynic, laughed out loud and stomped off. But the nightingale understood. She knew how important this was to him. She knew the feeling that was in his heart. She knew the desire that flamed inside him like a flame so bright it would burn you. And so she spread her little brown wings and she flew across the garden. Silent as a shadow she went. Oh, she flew to a great rose bush and she landed on its little branches. And she said to it, Give me a red rose, she said, and I will sing you my sweetest song. Ah, that I cannot do, said the rose bush, for my roses are white. They are as white as the foam of the sea. They are as white as the snow on the mountains. I have no red rose to give you. But go and try my brother, who grows over there by the sundial. And so the little nightingale spread her wings, and she flew to the rose bush that grew around the sundial. And she landed on it, and she said, Give me a red rose, and I will sing for you my sweetest song. And the rose bush said, I have no red roses to give you. That I cannot do. My roses are yellow. They're as yellow as the hair of the mermaid that sits upon an amber throne. They are as yellow as the daffodil that blooms in the meadows before the mower comes with their scythes. I cannot give you a red rose. But try my brother who grows under the student's window. 
So the little nightingale spread her wings, and she flew over and landed on the rose bush that grew right below the student's window. And she said, Give me a red rose, and I will sing you my sweetest song. And the rose bush said, That I cannot do. For the winter's frost chilled my veins. The frost nipped my buds, and the storms broke my branches. I do have red roses, but I have none to give this year. I will not bloom. But you must give me just one red rose, she said. There must be some way that you can produce just one rose. Well... There is a way, said the rose, but it is too terrible to talk of. I cannot bear to speak of it. You must, said the nightingale. I must know the secret. Please tell me, please tell me, how can I get a rose from you, a red, red rose? <laughs> this can only be done, said the rose. If you are prepared to give your life for it. If you press your breast against my thorn until your life blood ebbs out from you and flows into my veins, then only then can I build a rose. Little nightingale, you have to build that rose yourself with your music. You must sing all night, and it must be done before the dawn, or all will be lost. And you must give your heart blood to color that rose. Only that way can it be. Well, then little nightingale looked down. And she said, it is a big thing to ask to give my life for a one rose. It is the only way, said the rose. Life is a great thing. It's a precious thing. I sit in my oak tree and I, I sing to the moon and the stars about love. Love is the most important thing in the world. Love has more value to it than all the gems in the world. No jewels are as costly as love. No, no emeralds or opals or rubies or diamonds are worth more than love. You cannot Buy love with such things. You cannot go to a market and buy love. It is a precious thing. So is life. But what is the life of a little bird compared to the life of a man? The life of a lover, a true lover. Yes. I will do it, she said. I will sacrifice myself for love. And with that she flew away.
She flew as silent as a shadow across the garden, and there below her she saw the student still lying on the grass with the tears in his eyes. And she sang a sweet song to him, and she said, Do not despair, you shall have your red rose. It will cost me my life, but I give it freely in order for you to have the rose to win your love. Dance all night with that woman that you love, but make me one promise. I give myself for your happiness. Be a true lover and always love that woman all your days. Well, the student looked at her sitting singing in the oak tree, and he took out a notebook and a pencil, and he made some notes on it, and he said, yeah, she has form. I'll give her that. She has a very lovely voice, a, a great song, but, well, does she have any feelings? I fear not. No. No, she is just a, a simple creature. She wouldn't sacrifice herself for anyone. She just lives for music. And, as we all know, the arts are a very selfish thing. No, no, there is no no sense in her pretty little head. There, there is no substance to her song. It is just music. It means nothing. It has no practical use, he said. And with that he turned around and walked back towards his house. But the little lizard down on the lawn, he knew what the nightingale sang. And he sighed and said, You are not giving yourself for him, are you? You're not sacrificing your life for a rose for him. That I am, she said, and gladly. He shook his head sadly and said, Oh, dear, dear, I don't think that that is a very wise thing to do. Oh, who cares about wisdom? Who cares about philosophy? said the nightingale. They mean nothing compared to love. Love is stronger than all. And the little butterfly was sad too. And the daisy among the grass, she closed her eye. She closed her little petals, and her head hung down. And the oak tree was sad too, for he knew the meaning of this nightingale's song, and he said to her, Oh, little nightingale, sing me one last song. I'm going to miss you when you go. I've watched you for years building your little nest in my branches and raising families and teaching them how to sing and teaching them about love. Oh, I am going to miss you so 
very, very much. And the nightingale sang for him. She sang a song of joy and love. And the branches of that oak tree groaned. Inside his house, the student had lain down on his bed, and soon he had fallen asleep. Darkness came, and the little nightingale spread her wings again, and she flew across that garden as silent as a shadow, and she landed on the rose tree. Are you ready, little nightingale? said the rose. I am, she said. Then hold close, hold close to my thought, he said. And she placed her breast against the thorn, and it pricked her skin, and it was painful. Sing, little nightingale, said the rose, sing your sweetest song. And the nightingale sang a song, and it was sweet, it was a beautiful song. It was a song of the love between a boy and a girl. First love, innocent, shy, naive, and oh, so consuming. All-consuming passion. And she sang, and she sang. And as she sang, a bud appeared on the top of the rose, and the bud swelled up as she sang, and her music built it. It opened up, and its petals were still crumpled, not fully open, and they were as white as ivory. Press closer, little nightingale, said the rose, or the day will come before the rose is finished. And the nightingale pressed closer on to the thorn, and the thorn dug deeper into her flesh, and the pain burnt terribly, but she sang. She sang a beautiful song. She sang the love between a man and a woman. The love of a bride and a groom. Oh, yes, that love, that love that burns with passion. She sang and she sang of that love. And as she sang, the petals of the rose opened up and they flushed pink. The same pink as the cheeks of the bride and the groom when they kiss each other for the first time in front of the altar. Press closer, said the rose, press, press closer, little nightingale, or the day will come before the rose is finished. The only thing that can color the heart of the rose is the heart blood of a nightingale. Well, the rose now was red, but the center of it was still white. And the little nightingale pressed closer onto the thorn until the thorn pricked her heart. And oh, the pain was 
searing. It went through her body, but she sang her sweetest song of all yet. It was the song of love, the, the love that can only be made pure by death, the love that lives beyond the tomb, the love that death cannot strike down. She sang and she sang and she pressed her heart against the thorn and her life-blood flowed into the veins of the rose and the heart of the rose burst into the most beautiful, beautiful crimson red like a ruby. And still the nightingale sang. Look, said the rose, look, little nightingale. But the nightingale didn't look. She sang, she sang the last song that she had. And it was so sweet that even the moon stopped to listen and forgot about the dawn. But then the nightingale's voice grew fainter and fainter, and her little wings fluttered and trembled, and a film came over her eyes, and it seemed as though something choked in her throat, and the song faltered and died as the nightingale died. Look, little nightingale, said the rose, look, the rose is finished. But the nightingale never heard him, because she'd fallen down dead on the grass with the thorn in her heart. The next morning, the student woke up, and he opened his window, and he looked down, and he said, Oh, what a stroke of good luck! A rose, he said. My, it's such a beautiful red rose. I bet it's got a long Latin name. And he plucked the rose, and then he put on his hat, and he rushed across town to the professor's house, where his daughter lived. It was the professor's daughter that the student was in love with, and there she was, sitting on the porch outside her house. But she was weaving blue silk onto a reel, and her little dog was lying curled up at her feet. And he ran up to her, and he offered her the red rose, and he said, I have it for you. I have the red rose that you desired. I have run all the way from my home to give it to you, so that you will dance with me tonight at the ball, and I shall tell you how much I love you as we dance and we dance. The girl looked at the rose and looked at the student and said, Well, I don't think that that rose would go with my dress. And anyway... The Chamberlain's nephew has asked me to accompany him to the ball instead, and he has given me jewels, fine jewels, emeralds and opals and, and rubies and diamonds and, well, gems like that, you know, real jewels. They're so much more valuable than, 
than roses, I mean flowers, I mean, <laughs> what value is in that, eh? Uh, just a, a simple rose from a garden, no, it's, it's not worth as much as jewels. Well, the student looked at her, hardly knew the price of everything and the value of nothing, as Oscar once said. And he said, well, of all the ungrateful brutes, how dare you, she said. I think that's very rude of you. Well, I'm sure that you've got no money anyway. I bet you don't have silver buckles on your shoes like the Chamberlain's nephew does. Good day to you, she said, and she turned around and went into the house and slammed the door. Well, the student stepped down into the street. He looked at the rose, the beautiful, beautiful red rose, and he threw it angrily down onto the road, into the gutter, and a cartwheel ran over the top of it and crushed its petals. And he said, Ha! Love! What is love? Love is nothing, it's, it's stupid, it's transient. I've read all the wise men, all the great philosophers, and, well, they have little time for love either. And I shall devote myself now to philosophy. I am going to go and study metaphysics. And with that, he stomped off back to his house and across the garden. And as he was going towards his door, he noticed, lying on the grass, the body of a little dead nightingale. And he said, oh, How horrid! The gardeners must be very complacent. They're not doing their job properly. I must put a complaint in. You can't have dead birds lying around the place. It makes it look so untidy. And then he went into his house and slammed the door. He went to his room and he pulled down a large, dusty book, and he opened it up, and he began to read. <laughs>